1: the A to Z of Disease Podcast.
0: Welcome to the A to Z of Disease Podcast with me, Rose Mokonyo. Today, we will be continuing with our series of discussion on common diseases that affect children, especially during the cold season. And today, we will be discussing about broncholitis. With me on this episode is Dr. Penina Musioka, a pediatrician in Machakos, who will be discussing more about this. Welcome, Dr. Lee. Thank you for having me. How is broncholitis related to common cold and
1: other respiratory diseases? Broncholitis it's basically, it's also another viral infection. And how it is related is because the same viruses which are up there in the upper respiratory tract infection are the same ones which come down. But the most common virus which causes bronchiolitis is called respiratory syncytial virus. It likes to come down to the bronchioles and cause inflammation there. And when it's in the bronchioles, what it does, it will make the bronchioles to swell. And uh, when they swell, they become very small. Again, they also get full of mucus. That's part of the immune reaction to the virus. And so that when that happens, you'll find the bronchioles are becoming very small. And so the gaseous exchange, which means basically oxygen to come in, so it is absorbed in the body and carbon dioxide to come out becomes a problem. So you'll find this baby will be straining. In what terms? First of all, to breathe, they take a lot of effort to breathe. So you realize they are breathing faster than usual. Their chest is even going down as they are trying to breathe. And then they will be producing a musical sound which we call called a wheeze. They are wheezing because the hair is passing through a very narrow area because the bronchus also become very narrow and they are already full of mucus. And again, you may, when they get to the hospital and they measure what we call oxygen saturation, you realize it is low in some patients. And the fact if it is less than 90, that becomes a reason to admit that patient because they are not able to sustain their breathing on their own. We have been thinking that uh, checking of
0: the oxygen levels are for people with COVID-19 and others, uh, diabetics, you know. I have
1: never understood that uh, a child can also be tested for that. It's usually we call it a vital sign. It's a very important sign. Any patient who comes with a respiratory infection, we have to get to oxygen saturation. Not just even a respiratory infection. Any infection whatsoever, because it can also interfere with how you breathe we have to get your oxygen saturation. And you realize even in children, especially with pneumonia, bronchiolitis, asthma, the oxygen saturations can get quite low. And so we always test for it, and if it is low, we need to argument it, then we give oxygen as required.
0: When we talk about the oxygen going going low, how will you know as a mother, because well, definitely you're not trained, other than seeing that your child is unable to breathe, how will you know that this child has low oxygen saturation?
1: Okay, as a mother, you may not know, because you don't have the gadget to measure the oxygen saturation. The only thing you notice is a baby who started to have like a common cold, like uh, symptoms. So they start with cough, their nose is congested, is running, they have a fever. And then after some days, you notice noticing now. apart just from that, they seem to be breathing faster than usual and uh, they are producing a sound now, they're wheezing. Some of them, when it is very severe, you may realize mouth becomes darker than usual. That one, it tells you, most likely the oxygen is getting lower and lower in the, in the blood. Mm-hmm. So you may not really know until you get to the hospital. Sometimes you just see them, they are breathing fast, but when you get to the hospital, it's taken. The oxygen situation, we are told, it is 80. They're like, what? I didn't know this one. Yeah, so that's why we say the earlier you get to the hospital, the better. Mm. because that low oxygen saturation in blood is not good because it means even the brain is not getting it and it will start affecting the brain of the baby as well. Which is the safe level of oxygen in the blood? The safest, you know, it depends with the atmospheric pressure of where you are. But here in Kenya and around Nairobi, it's 90, more than 95 to 100. Most of people will saturate around there. Less than 95, but more than 90, it's still low, but it's safe. We will not put on oxygen. But when it hits less than 90, then now you will be initiated on oxygen.
0: How does it affect your brain?
1: You know, basically the brain is a very important organ in the human, basically in the the body. The one thing about the brain, it doesn't know how to utilize any other source of energy, uh, which does not depend on oxygen. It has to use oxygen. Oxygen is very important. So you realize without oxygen, it cannot produce energy, which we call ATP, to be able to perform its functions. So it will not be able to function. And so what will you notice? You notice this patient is becoming confused, some will converse and even if they continue to go lower, some will go into into coma. Yeah. But again, it's not just the bridge is affected. The other organs are also affected, especially the heart, the, what we call the adrenal glands, the kidneys can also get affected by the low oxygen levels in the blood.
0: How do you manage bronchiolitis now when the child comes to you with all the symptoms and, uh, of course, you have tested for the oxygen, the child is wheezing, how will you be able to manage in the hospital and then also at home?
1: So it depends on how the child presents. When they come... And uh, we examine them, we see what they have, we cal- classify them. We go what we call mild, moderate and severe. So mild is a baby who will come, is coughing, has runny nose, is breathing slightly faster, and maybe does not have the lower chest or injury, and uh, is wheezing. When I do the oxygen saturations, I find they're above 90. So that the patient has mild bronchiolitis. So that patient I don't need to admit. I will just cancel the mom. This is a viral infection first, and I've made sure there's no ba- pneumonia, which is, because sometimes you can get pneumonia, superinfection on that bronchiolitis. So if you have examined and you make sure there's no bacterial infection, then they don't require an antibiotic. So I'll just manage the fever, and then uh, basically hydration, a lot of hydration makes a difference. So I'll raise the mouth to make sure the child is always well hydrated, small frequent feeds, and sometimes uh, that, that's just all you need, and then you observe the patient and most of the time they do well. Then you will get this other one, who has now moderate to severe infection. The one who will come has very severe lower chest injury. The oxygen saturation are less than 90. Of course, this baby is not able to feed, not even able to breastfeed, apart from now the cough, the nose, and the others. This patient will require an admission, and uh, what we do first is to make sure we put the patient on oxygen, because we need the oxygen saturation to be above 90 all the time. The oxygen you are going to put will depend on how bad the oxygen saturations are. Because if they are just around 85, where well I can use lesoprons and give 1 to 2 liters, and we are able to give to get to above 90, that's okay. Some you may need to give oxygen by an under breather, depending on how they are. Because basically the key thing is you are going to give oxygen. Number two, you need to help this patient breathe better. So you realize, I'll ask you a question. Is your patient allergic or do you have any history of allergy in the family? Because there are some who already have asthma in the family and this can trigger an asthma like reaction. So it will dictate which kind of drug I'm going to use. But most of the time we use what we call hypertonic saline. Hypertonic saline is three percent sodium chloride. We use it to nebulize with it. So when I nebulize it helps decrease the edema. You may told you the bronchios are swollen, mm-hmm. it decreases that edema. When it increases the edema, you are able to breathe better because air is able to pass. Mm-hmm. So we nebulize with that until the patient improves. Mm-hmm. That is going to happen in the in the ward. Mm-hmm. And uh, if they have in issue of allergy or asthma, for example, then I will not just use epitonic saline only. Maybe I do the epitonic saline now, then the next hour I do with salbutamol. Yeah, to make sure we relieve that kind of uh, difficulty in breathing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically that. If there is no any uh, infection with a bacteria, we don't require an antibiotic, we will not give. If there is a bacterial infection accompanying it, then we also give antibiotics. Mm-hmm. Then we also find alternative ways of make sure the baby feed. Most of the time, they are if not able to feed orally because we don't want them to aspirate. We should fix an energy tube and feed with it. Milk, porridge, whatever else they are able to, mm-hmm. to take. And of course, monitor you to make sure your sugars are within normal and your vital signs are within normal. Mm-hmm. And then once that is relieved, then we will be able to prepare you home for discharge. So you realize this patient will be nebulized, but it's not an asthmatic patient. Mm -hmm. So they will not need to go home with inhaler.
0: So when this happens at at home, Mm -hmm. and uh, you realize the child is wheezing badly, and uh, probably there's a history of asthma in the family, Is it safe to use a nebulizer at home and then now you can bring the child to the hospital?
1: Sometimes it may not help you, even if you do, because children are all different. You don't know the dosage you're supposed to give because it's a different child from the other one you have. And uh, you remember I said it's not just the... Inhalers we are using only, we are also giving hypotonic saline, which will not get it at home. Mm-hmm. Then at home, you are also not able to nebulize. At home, you can only use your inhalers. Mm-hmm. And the way we give inhalers in children, use through the spacer. You see now, mm-hmm. so you are not even able to give that hypotonic saline. What our advice is, if you see your patient is wheezing, please don't stay at home. Go to an hospital as soon as possible because by the time you are within, you don't even know whether the situations are within normal or not. And that is the most important thing.
0: We still find mothers going to the shops to buy drugs over the counter. Is it possible to buy anything over the counter to help cure bronchitis?
1: No. It's not possible and I highly discourage it. Because we will just stay home and your baby will just continue worsening. So by the time you come, you may realize we actually need a lot of oxygen to stabilize this patient.
0: Are there cases that you have handled where you have lost the child, where the child has died of bronchiolitis?
1: We have lost some, but I will not say it was pure bronchitis because now these patients also had other things. You'll find, just apart from the bronchitis only, they also had pneumonia on top of it. And what happens with infections when they become very severe, the way the body responds to it, it becomes uh, distorted. So they come with what we call septic shock. That's a very severe form of infection. And that one was like we need an ICU setup to manage it. I'm sure you have had even COVID patients going into septic shock. And that's how they ended them into a ventilator. Mm. Yeah, so it has happened. That's why we say the earlier you come, the better. You know, infection is you treat it early. You don't wait until it gets severe. When you come earlier, you are able to make a difference. And also the children do very well. But now when it is very late, it becomes uh, not very easy.
0: Since uh, bronchiolitis is common during the cold season, I'm sure it also happens during other seasons, but it's quite common, is uh, keeping the children warm a way of preventing bronchiolitis? and any other
1: respiratory disease. The cold weather, per se, is not the cause of the infections we see, which are very frequent during the cold weather. Mostly people have looked at it and asked themselves questions. Where do they usually happen more during the cold weather? But first of all, the viruses seem to be more in the atmosphere during the cold weather. And then, too, because it is cold, we tend to live in a crowded place. If it is a window, you'll find they are closed. So you'll find that infection is very easy to move from one person to another. So it becomes easy to pass the infection, basically. So it is not the cold weather per se which causes the, the infection, mm-hmm. but it's that the variants are more available to cause in- infection. But basically, keeping a baby warm, it's very important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then I just need to add one more thing. If your baby was born premature is a baby who is more likely to get bronchiolitis. So when you see a baby who is around six months, had a f- common cold, but now he's wheezing, please don't just sit at home. Please go to the hospital. Mm. Yeah. Well, that
0: is a very important point. And then uh, because now we are, you spoke about keeping the child warm, of course, we have seen mothers using the GCO to keep the house warm. Uh, you know, They don't want to layer the child so much so they prefer to use the Jiko. What are the dangers of using that uh, charcoal Jiko in the house?
1: Charcoal Jiko is very dangerous, especially in this cold weather because we know you'll use the cold Jiko and then the windows will be closed. So what happens? The Jiko will produce what we call carbon monoxide. When the carbon monoxide goes to bind your hemoglobin, you know in the blood we have what we call hemoglobin. It's what gives the blood that red pigment. That's why blood appears red. And it's what carries oxygen. So it carries oxygen around, it goes to the tissues, to your cells, it gives the oxygen, it carries carbon dioxide. It brings it back to the lungs, the exchange again happens. You remove your carbon dioxide and then you pick up again your oxygen, which is very important. So what happens? When now this hemoglobin binds your carbon monoxide, that bond is so strong that now it doesn't want to release. It just by, It's like you'll find this carbon monoxide has bound most all your hemoglobin. Yeah. That means you are suffocating and you are breathing. Because now your hemoglobin cannot bind any more oxygen. You, you see that? Yeah. yeah. And so it's very dangerous and it's a cause of death. It has killed many people. So please don't use Jiko for keeping warm. Just layer, layer, layer. If you can, if you can manage to get the electric heaters, the better. But please don't use the jiko. It's very dangerous. It can kill. And, of course, reminding them to avoid crowding because this comes not because of
0: the cold, but because of the crowding where people are breathing in and out. So, Dr. is there anything else that you might want to add on uh, bronchiolitis?
1: That is just to say it's a viral infection. It's easy, an easy infection to treat when we know what to do at what time. So I'll just urge mothers, let's try first. Prevention is always better than cure. Try to, of course, abound crowded areas, layer our babies when it is cool so that we don't have to have all the windows closed and all that. And, of course, I'll keep on insisting, nutrition, nutrition is what makes a difference because you're going to fight the infection better. But most important is you able to identify when an infection is becoming severe and be able to get help as soon as possible.
0: That is Dr. Penina Musioka, who has been discussing with us on bronchiolitis and so many other diseases that come during the cold season. Be sure to join us next time on our next episode on the A to Z of Disease Podcast with me, Rose Mokonyo. The A to Z
1: Robin Financial LLC member SIPC.